You know, I'll be honest with you guys. After Bo made uh, like a relatively questionable throw relatively early on, I was somewhat dreading the calls and texts of somehow the Jays lost. And wouldn't you know, Bo Bichette delivers the first Blue Jays home run of the season with runners on base after some unlucky balls from Chapman, from George Springer as well. That ball would have been a home run in like 13 ballparks. Bo clears the wall with an absolute bomb and Jay's taking hold of four to three lead. That is the final score this evening in Anaheim. Blue Jays win their fourth straight game. Uh, welcome to Jay's talk after dark. Of course, maybe I should say, maybe I should say that like this. Welcome to Blue Jays talk after dark brought to you by crown rust protection across the Sportsnet radio network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Show Ali with you, taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open, of course, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. 590-590 is where you can text me. That is the people's text line, as I always say. It is always open. And honestly, feel free to text in uh, during the game as well. I'll bundle those together and get to them over the evening. Yeah, we have a lot of editions of Jay's Talk. Eh? We have like Jay's Talk Classic, Jay's Talk After Dark. Jstock Mini, Jstock Plus. We got a lot of we got a lot of editions of Jstock here um, across the network. I don't know about you guys. In the eighth inning, I do get a tiny bit nervous when infielders and outfielders are sprinting at each other for what like generally should be shallow outs. It is nice to see George Springer out in right calling off Laddie and company to handle the final out of that inning. I gotta say, and uh, like Ben and Blake mentioned during the game, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani largely start for the Angels tonight. They had three hits combined. The rest of the lineup, hitless. Womp womp, right? The Angels lost, which uh, seems to be the story of their West Coast careers thus far. Um, one of those Mike Trout hits coming off of a big one, certainly coming off of Chris Bassett. It was fascinating, right? Because after a very tough first outing, Ben Shulman and I discussed this after the first start of the season for Bassett last weekend. Like he has pitch com troubles immediately. He gestures to Kirk. He seems to say on the TV broadcast, he seems to say it's all you. And then immediately after walks Taylor Ward and then like Mama Mia, right? A meatball offered up to Mike Trout, which Trout, of course, uh, destructifies for a two-run bomb. Like, it's a hot take, but uh, I know, but you can't be serving up those kinds of pitches to any batter ever, much less Mike Trout, who's arguably one of the best players ever, not just present day. But here's the thing. Honestly, I really thought the outing tonight, while it was on the verge of completely unraveling, I was there with you all. Honestly, I was afraid to open social media, but after the, the home run by Trout, he really hung in there. He really did. Like, look at it like this. He walked the first batter of the game. He gives up a two-run bomb to probably the best or at worst second best player on the planet and then still produced a quality start on 109 pitches. Yes, the team helped him grab the win. It's terrific. Two hits, five walks, which admittedly is not great, but three runs, two of them were earned. So one was on one was unearned. Two runs coming off the two-run bomb from Trout. Five strikeouts. So a perfect start on 109 pitches from Bassett? No, absolutely not. I totally am with you on that. A start that you can build on for your second start of the season, your your second in a new uniform? Absolutely yes. So I will I will personally take it, all things considered. Um, if you're curious, because I see some texts here that kind of like kind of bashing Ross Atkins and his signing of of Bassett. So here here are Bass is a very simple look at his stats between 2014 
and the, I guess the end of the 2022 season, which is obviously when he signed with the Jays in the off season in 737 and a third innings pitched Bassett has an ERA of 345. That's why he was signed, right? It's not like a, it's not as though he was a pumpkin last year. And then the, the Jays said, Oh, wow, we can fix them. Right. That's not what happened. He was a very good pitcher, both with Oakland and certainly with the Mets. I know people aren't super keen on hearing the, uh, you know, quote unquote, it's early, especially on Jay's talk, but like, come on, you know, it's two starts beginning of a long season. Eventually we all came around on the struggles that Barrios and Kikuchi were, were facing last year, but it like, it took more than two starts to say, okay, well, they're really having some issues, right? So I it just, it probably should be here the same here with Bassett. And it is very encouraging, at least for me to see that he hung in there. That's kind of where I, uh, where I go. I see here uh, <laughs> uh, Rico and Barry on the text line. Would, would Raj have called that an error on Vlad? I'll ask him. I'll text Raj. I'll, te- I'll text him and maybe, I don't know if he's awake, but I'll, I'll text Raj and say, hey, Raj, what was that? Was that an error? That, I got to say, that play from, well, it just like, like uh, Rico mentions, and again, you can text us at 590-590, name and location. What a weird play, right? Like, what a strange, strange play. Like, Vladdy, in my opinion, was clearly safe, clearly, clearly safe. Urshela advances to third after a not, not great throw from Kirk, right? He shorts, short hops it to Espinal at second, gets away from him. Urshela on the steal of second advances to third on the, on the, on the errant throw. And then a silly play where Vladdy's left foot clearly touches the edge of the first base bag and Urshela scores. Obviously he was safe. Like I just, I'm really sure what we're doing with the reviews, right? Like David Fletcher, was more than a foot away from the bag when Vladdy caught that. And to add insult to injury, he is assessed, like Rico mentions, an error. I understand to a degree why he gets the error after the play stands because his play, Vladdy's play of making the catch and just putting his foot on the bag was the less difficult one versus Bassett making a truly wild slide to even feel that ball. And by the way, it was a great bunt from David Fletcher, but it shouldn't have been an issue because Vladdy got the out, right? Like a run was going to score, yes, yeah, so that Bassett got out of it. After that, after the l- relatively lengthy review, ball don't lie, as they say. But uh, and Ben, uh, thank you for saying that. I, I love the ball don't lie thing. I always think of um, like Rashid Wallace whenever I hear the, the ball don't lie in, in the NBA. But that's just a brutal call. Like, again, what's the what's the point of reviews? I get the whole verbiage. And it's important to, I suppose, make the distinction between the call stands and the call is confirmed. Right. They said and on the replay, they said the call stands, which likely means they didn't see anything to overturn. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned, that is, uh, that is, that is nonsense. Uh, Jay and Scarborough texts in to say, I don't want to be a Debbie downer, but am I wrong in fearing Luplo is our new Zimmer former guardian who batted under 200 last year. I hope I'm wrong. I also hope you're wrong, Jay, but um, I honestly, I don't see Luplo getting a ton of playing time going forward. I have a feeling they kind of just seen what he has. And again, I remember George, uh, not George Springer, John Schneider speaking to the media before tonight's ball game. He basically starts his availability by talking about uh, why Dalton Varsho was not in the, in the game to start probably a, a bit of a rest day. Varsho has been right in the middle of a very good season so far. I mean, right in the middle, we're like what five or six games into the season, seven games in, but at the same time, the, the Blue Jays do need to get these guys the half or full days off. I did think it was kind of odd that Varsho came in when he did instead of coming in slightly before that in terms of batting for, for certain guys because it was odd because I kind of thought Varsho would come in 
earlier. And when he didn't, I thought to myself, okay, Varsha's not going to be in this game at all because he's getting a full day off his feet. And then he came in in the outfield anyways. But hey, I mean, I, I, to Jay's point, I don't think Jordan Luplo is going to be seeing a uh, a whole ton of playing time, especially when you consider, he DH today, when you consider, let's see, the various guys at second base, Espinal, Biggio, Merrifield, the guys who are catching, who are in the catching situation here between Danny Jansen with the stomach bug, obviously, and Alejandro Kirk. And then you add in guys like Brandon Belt, who obviously has not had the, 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 the most sparkling example of a Blue Jays tenure so far. I um I just look I I just don't see Luplo factoring in as much. But then again, you know, we said that about Bradley Zimmer. So, I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to hope that Jay and I are uh are both wrong on that, but um you never know. It is early on. I see a text here. I guess this is kind of goes along with what what uh, Jay was saying about Luplo. This is from Ezra in Victoria. Uh in uh in, in BC. Have we seen enough belt in Luplo strikeouts to see Lopez got called up? Get called up, pardon me, and maybe the same for Nate Pearson versus Trevor Richards. I think that's an interesting point because eh, Trevor Richards did his best impression of relievers we'd like to forget uh, yesterday. We obviously did not see him in this ball game today. Really, the only reason he's still on the roster is because he doesn't have any options. He can't be sent down without being. I'm um, going through waivers and undoubtedly some someone is going to claim him or they're just going to have to DFA him. I don't think the Blue Jays want to do that right now. It's very possible it still happens between now and the end of the season. And I do agree with Ezra's point as to Pearson, uh, which is namely that w- when you're looking at the the pitchers who are exist in the minors right now for the Blue Jays, he probably is the the most obvious guy to call up immediately. Maybe Jay Jackson, because he's still down there. He's, what, 34, 35 years old right now, and he was signed to one of those split contracts, and he is assigned to the Bisons right now. So it's very possible that Jay Jackson also gets a call up, but if you're talking about guys who are going to get called up and stick with the Major League roster, I I, I would agree with Ezra that it's probably Pearson, but they're going to they're gonna ride the Richards train for for as long as humanly possible. Right. And I don't, I don't entirely disagree with that. If only because you don't want to, you want, you want to utilize that resource as much as you can, because I, I do truly believe that some team, I don't know which team, but some team, if you ask to go through waivers is probably taking them. Right. So um, I'll take one more text and we'll, we'll take a quick break and then we'll get to the phone lines. Uh, C-Max in Edmonton. I like it. He says, uh, Hey show happy. We are on a roll. Now Bo is so clutch. Where are all those bow haters? I'm not one of them. Bassett, I'll give him a pass. I missed the first inning once I started watching it. It looked like uh, once Bassett just needs to trust Kirky or Jano to call the game. I doubt that will happen, but I am happy he settled in. Some definite positive. That's from C-Max in Edmonton. I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you calling in or texting in, C-Max. And then there's another one here without, a, without a, a name, but it just says, what happened with Bassett calling his pitches? He was so out of rhythm early and conceded to Kirk but seem to be calling his pitches again for the most part. I don't, I, you know, obviously I was listening to Ben, Ben and Blake's call of the game, not what uh, Dan and Buck were saying on the telecast, but I got to imagine, because again, based on what we could see here at baseball control, and you guys all see the same images we do just a slightly, like maybe like 15 seconds later from what I could see Bassett had the issue with the pitch com. He discards the, dis- the device. Someone comes out like Ben mentioned on the broadcast. He has a pitch com device in his, in his hat. And he could also hear when he presses the button, so he's clearly pressing the buttons and nothing was coming out in his ears. So he discards the device, points to Kirk, and clearly mouths, it's all you. He clearly says that to him. 
Kirk calls the pitches, it would seem, to the rest of the top of the first inning, or the bottom of the first inning, pardon me. And then after that, after Bassett came back out, it looked like he was calling his own pitches again. Like, they clearly fixed the pitch comm issue in between the first inning and the second inning. I think that's what happened. I can't confirm right now. We'll have to see um, once Bassett talks to the media, probably right now. We'll see if we hear any Bassett sound. But again, I think it was a great bounce back outing for Bassett because, again, after the nightmare start to start the year in uh, in uh, St. Louis, boy, I mean, I know the St. Louis Cardinals are a good team, but you want to see a bounce back against, quote-unquote, a lesser team in the Los Angeles Angels, and they've been playing pretty well so far. And I think you got it. Again, promising pitches, situations that he managed to get out of, and he was helped by his teammates, but a much better outing for his uh, second start of the year for Chris Bassett, who earns the win as well, lifted up by his teammates. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will go to the phone lines, get back to the text line, play some audio for you as well. I see a text here from Brian in Toronto about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., about an interview Hazel May had before the game. We'll certainly get to that straight ahead. You're listening to Blue Jays Talk, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It wasn't working. The transmitter wasn't working. So they were going to do a kind of a combination of him using it and Kirky using it. Um, so it was, you know, a conversation with the umpire. It kind of happened late anyway. It was going to be a ball. Um, but it got, you know, got fixed. You know, got fixed. We worked it out. That is John Schneider uh, giving us some illumination on what happened with the Pitchcom device. So clearly some early issues with the Pitchcom for Chris Bassett and Alejandro Kirk. But uh, all's well that ends well. Six innings of three-run ball from Bassett, and he gets the win as well. 109 pitches for Bassett in his second start of the season. A lot of things to build on, I think. So I think that's uh, very positive and encouraging for Bassett, all things considered. Uh, welcome back to Jay's Talk. Show Ali with you for maybe about 10, 15 more minutes. Uh, before we get back to the phone lines and the text line, let's get to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals or game outcomes across many different sports 19 plus play responsibly ontario only so here's how the al east shakes out baltimore play is playing uh, new york orioles yankees that's a series going on uh, starting today boston was off today they did win 6-3 over the tigers yesterday but they did not play today so they are idle in the standings of course the rays played the athletics and the blue jays won tonight against the angels so here's how things shake out the Tampa Bay Rays are 7-0. and They are 7-0 and right now. The, the Blue Jays with the win tonight are 5-3, and eight games into the season. Baltimore and New York are both 4-3. and Baltimore beat New York 7-6 to earlier this afternoon. And like I said, the Red Sox were off, so they're 3-4. and Did not make a move in the standings. Look, I'll just say this on Tampa. Tampa, I, I'm not discounting the fact that they are good because they are playing very well right now. Isak Prady's hit a grand slam today. And then I think there was something absurd, like all of their games to start the season have been won by four or more runs, which is like something that has not been accomplished since 1884 to start a season. Like that's just silly, right? That's silly. But they've also played the Tigers, the Nationals, and the Athletics. So let's not get too carried away with the Rays are the best. I know we had a conversations on the spring training versions of Jay's talk saying, oh, well, you know what? The the Rays, maybe we're maybe we're not counting them enough. Maybe that's just true. Maybe that is true, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the Rays are world beaters based on series against uh the uh, the Athletics, Nationals, and Tigers. And uh similarly, I'm not gonna go crazy when the Blue Jays probably hammer the Tigers next week at, at the Rogers Center, right? So 
I think that's just uh, you take all those kinds of things with a with a grain of salt when it comes to determining how good or bad the teams in the in I would think the best division in baseball um, are performing. Let's get to I want to get to some notes on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because there was a text here. Let me just find it here. I think it was from. There it is. Brian in Toronto. Vlad is a free agent in 2026. We heard the interview prior to the game. He wants to stay 12. Here's Brian's suggestion. 12 years, $350 million. That's Brian's suggestion for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Let me just play you this clip. This is Hazel May sitting down with Vladdy Jr. It's posted, played before the game, posted on Sportsnet socials, and uh, Hazel chatting with Vladdy. Do you still have the desire to be a Toronto Blue Jay for many years to come? Yeah, for me, I, I want to spend all my life here. So whatever happens, happens. I think whatever happens, happens basically means back up the Brinks truck. Pay me pay me as much money as humanly possible. Brian's suggestion of, of 12, uh, 12 years, $350 million, I think you'd have, at the very least have to look at all of the other young superstar deals, right? Shohei Otani is, is a complete outlier because you're, you're basically going to have to mash together like a, I'm not saying you do exactly this, but like a Garrett Cole contract with, I don't know, like a, the Manny Machado contract. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's so unique. It's hard to really say this is how much money he's going to get. But beyond Shohei, you look at the Julio Rodriguez deal, which could pay him if things, if he hits all the various escalators, could pay him up to like, $500 million effectively. You look at the Fernando Tatis deal, which maybe the Padres wish they had waited on given the, the injuries and the suspensions and so on, the PEDs, so et cetera. You, maybe you look at maybe the, what Juan Soto will I'm sure get this coming off season from the Padres or from someone else. So I, you, they're probably waiting on a lot of this stuff, but um, $350 million probably is probably right, right in the middle of what, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is looking for. I'll say this on Vladdy. This is actually from Sarah Langs from MLB Network. And uh, Sarah's one of my favorite baseball followers out there on Twitter. It is S Langs on sports. And I promise you there is not a human being alive that loves baseball more than Sarah. I, I promise you that. But she, she said this around 1 p.m. Eastern. So basically about 12 hours ago. She said this. Most hard hit batted balls in 2023 coming into tonight's game. Okay. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 17, Matt Chapman at 16, Rafael Devers 15, Ronald Acuna Jr. 13, Jordan Walker 13. So those are the top five. That was at 1 p.m. Eastern today, almost exactly 12 hours ago. Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Chapman leading the way, obviously. And at the top of the fourth inning, Vladdy and Chapman both got on base consecutively. They, they pushed those numbers respectively to 18 and 17 for Vladdy and Chapman. Vladdy leads the league in balls in play, over 95 miles an hour, and he knocks in another inside-out ball, top six. It's good. It's just great to see from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right? His approach at the plate, as we all know, in 2022, it left a lot to be desired, right? Like, he expanded the zone a lot more than he ever needed to. As Barker says, the scouting report on to how, how to generally pitch to Vladdy is, is out on him, right? Throwing stuff low and away. And it worked a lot last year. This year, striking out a ton less to start, more walks, harder contact, better quality ABs. And it's something we all ask to see after 2022. I mean, even so, you take a 32 home run, 97 RBI season from Blatty anytime, but it's wild to think that he is right now probably closer to an MVP caliber season in 21 than he was to a nearly 100 RBI season 
in 2022. But I'll get to hear him talking to Hazel. That was from before the season started, obviously, and he clearly wants to be here long term. I have no doubt they're going to work out a long term contract with him. It's just he like like Brian said, he's under contract until 2026. So if you sign him soon, you're going to have to buy some of those arbitration and free agent years and so on. You're going to have to pay up a little bit for those. So I'm not, I'm, you probably want to wait at least one more year. But if he has another 2021-esque season, you're just going to give him whatever he wants. I got to think. Um, Matt Chapman, I wanted to get to, hit, get to him as well. He cranks a long ball to the warning track in center. Mike tried to actually leave his feet to make the catch. But, like, damn, right? He smoked that ball. It's crazy to say it really reminded me of Chapman from last year in the sense that we saw so many hits off his back go right to the warning track as though the outfielders had their back to the bullpen fence and just kind of lift their hands in the air to make a catch. I'm confident that a number of hits tonight would have been home runs at Rogers center and would have been hits at in home runs at a number of AL East ballparks as well, whether it's Camden yards with the new dimensions there or Yankee stadium with a short porch in right. He like Chapman is just seeing the ball really well. He is consistently crushing pitches. He's putting balls in play. I know Matt Chapman is the least of anyone's worries, but for a long time, it felt like you just take what you get from his bat. And this year it's starting to feel like at the very least it's, it's becoming a more consistent option. It's early in the season, like we know, but some very positive aspects of Chapman's game so far, Uh bullpen stuff to wrap up here. Uh, Jimmy Garcia gets the seventh inning. Phenomenal player. Easily one of my personal favorite guys on the team. You guys know I like using the term circle of trust when it comes to the bullpen. A lot of people do. And Garcia for me is right in the middle. If Romano is in that bullpen, that he's in the bullseye in the circle, Garcia is shoulder to shoulder with him, right? He rarely gets rattled. He settles things down and he managed to get Ward and Trout to wrap up that inning. Eric Swanson got the eighth. He has been entrusted with more and more high leverage spots during his relatively short Jays tenure thus far. His presence has allowed the team to slightly reorder the bullpen. I do like Jimmy Garcia and the eighth more often than not as the hold setup guy, but now you have two trusted guys to bring out, to put out some fires, which is something they did not have. Did not have a lot of firefighters last year. David Phelps was fighting these fires last year. So that, that it is Jimmy Garcia and Eric Swanson. Instead, when the most dangerous hitters for the other team are coming to the plate, like Garcia gets Ward and Trout and Swanson, you got Otani, and yes, Otani did get on base and was maybe like a foot away from tying the game with a solo home run. But even, the, even though he got on base, he was still able to collect himself enough to get the next three guys despite some loud contact. So not a perfect outing for Swanson, but he still got the job done. And, and, and Romano is Romano, right? I suspect we see other guys get more opportunities to collect saves here and there like Simber did the other day. But it doesn't mean that Romano isn't locked in as a team's closer. It just more means that the team clearly feels they can lean on other guys so as to not get three days in a row where Romano is pitching. But uh, that does it here for uh, JSOC. Appreciate the interaction as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Did you know spring is the best time of year to protect your vehicle from rust? Find out why and book your appointment today at crown.com. Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. Appreciate you guys being alongside me for a very late night edition of Jays Talk. For Ben Wagner, Blake Murphy, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Jays wrapping up the 4-3 win thanks to Bo Bichette and the good play of the Blue Jays bullpen. I'm back tomorrow for another late night edition of Jays Talk Saturday night. Jose Barrios scheduled to make his second start of the year. We'll talk to you then.